Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined in studio by the lovely Ellison Wiest. Hello, Ellison. Hello, Sarah. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my goodness, I'm just back from the retreat and um, got to see my mother for two days. How um, is she? She's okay. She said, okay, is about the furthest I can go, you know, so she's in her one bedroom apartment in the senior, um, I'm not residence, let's call it that there's different levels of care and it's, it's very upscale. It's very posh. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she has all her decor and stuff. And my brother's wife who works for an interior design firm in Atlanta, she came up with my brother to help with the move and she just did a beautiful job, um, kind of curating the things that my mother did bring from the house nice. like all hurt my mother you know so it was an 1836 house so as you know full of antiques and so now in this place that is not a historic place that um my sister-in-law julie put like all my mom's silhouettes on one wall and then all the or a lot of the um samplers you know embroidered samplers right. antique samplers that my mother had She put those on one wall and whereas they were kind of had been scattered around my parents' house, so it was nice to see them curated and collected together. So they made a bigger impact. So that was nice. So, but my mom, you know, she says, oh, she feels that the place that the whole complex itself is too big. So that meaning there's too many people there. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, well, if we had put you in a smaller place, you'd be saying it was too small. Well, that's a huge adjustment. It is. It is. So, and you know, she has some memory issues. And so sometimes she, I'm like, she had a panic attack. Um, uh, I don't know, a week after she'd been there and stuff. So um, That's a huge adjustment, not only for her, but for y'all as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so and we went and saw my father's grave and uh, visited the house one last time. Uh, we did not go in. Um, it was empty, and I didn't think that would be any fun for anybody. No. Um, so anyway, yes, yes. So, um, but books, tell me, um, tell me <laughs> what you've been reading, maybe... <laughs> yeah, anybody that follows my Goodreads site is probably saying, oh, what's going on? Because um been had kind of a really, really, really busy life uh, in the last month or so. We, we went to see my mother-in-law, who mm-hmm. lives in a retirement center in Pennsylvania. And um, then when I came back, I just fell into some stuff. So I have enjoyed and can recommend a Washington Black by, and I'm not going to even attempt to butcher her name. Anybody that looks for Washington Black on any website will be able to find it, but it's S.A., and then she's got a long, unpronounceable last name that mm-hmm. also starts with E. <laughs> um, and uh, it was uh, shortlisted for the booker, did not win, mm-hmm. but um, is a, essentially uh, takes place in the late 1700s. And it's about a um, slave, a young slave boy Mm. named Washington, George Washington Black, and how he uh, is born and uh, raised in this terrible, terrible plantation in Barbados, but manages uh, with the help of uh, actually the brother of the owner of this plantation, manages to make an escape and Mm. have a number of adventures. Um, It does have some areas that are kind of boggy, especially Mm. towards the... Good word. Right. But um, I thought overall her writing is incredible. Some of the descriptions, the atmosphere that she manages to convey were at times just it, it really transported you mm, so mm-hmm. um, i love a book that can do that oh yeah especially i thought the first 100 pages were just mm. brilliant um 
so um and reading has has for whatever reason you know sometimes i go through these periods where it's very difficult um i've been sort of flirting with the idea of reading tanya french's uh, tanya french's uh, new book which is the witch elm and it's mm. a standalone versus her usual i think they call them the dublin mysteries the dublin squad mysteries and people that have listened to us and listened to my podcast before know that i have like tried three of her books, <laughs> get into them, and then just can't finish them. Oh boy! Uh-huh. And, and and it's just so frustrating because so many people, including you know luminaries like Stephen King. Oh, and, uh-huh. I've uh, heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that little little guy out in Maine, um, have just raved about her. Oh. So I'm always like, okay, should I try this again? Mm, you know, not sure. Um, and. So it, uh, what I've been spending most of my time doing is knitting. Oh, very good. And uh, then I've gotten into rewatching, uh, and there are 12 seasons of NYPD Blue. <laughs> and I have to laugh because the way I found out about it was um, the watching yeah, the New York Colin Times New- watching. Oh, oh, God, that's fantastic. I get that newsletter. Do you get it? Yes. Oh, I just yes. love it. Yes. It's so good. It's so witty. I've, I, w- I had to crack up, though, because the young, and I know she's young, the gal that uh, writes yes. it, mm-hmm. said, you know, she was the one that said, oh, you know, NYPD Blue is up. It's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. And, you know, but her warning was it has a lot of nudity. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I had to, I, I just laughed because I was like, Seriously, in this day and age, and it was on network television. It was on network Hello, television. Maybe it we started in the like side 90, of someone's breast. Oh my 95. gosh, ninety-five. Yeah, yeah. And you know, she warned about, and I was like, oh my gosh, are, are you kidding? So you know, the first season, whenever there was like you say a flash of buttock or breast, I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. But. um I just I just adore Andy Sipowitz, who's oh you know, the character played by uh, Dennis Franz, and uh, so I've been watching way too so much. So I've of I've that. never watched that. You're serious? Yeah, oh, no. I think it's one of the best crime TV shows ever. I mean, yeah. I would put it up against any of the Law and Order, uh, Hill Street Blues. Which yeah, is another show I never watched. Further. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, any of those. I think it is just premiere. Wow, so we must it must be a crime procedural time of year or something because I have um started rewatching Prime Suspect on Hulu, oh, yes. which Helen Mirren. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Oh yeah. She, oh, she yeah. She is my Desert Island actress. <laughs> I think she is just phenomenal. We can put her on with Dennis Franz and, and <laughs> Franz. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, I just love that series. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and so how many how many series? I know that they're shorter. Yeah. So they they're about an hour forty. Some of them are two parts, and then there's one or two. I guess two or three standalone ones. So maybe all told, there's seven. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Um, so, but, but of those, some of them are two part. So, um, oh gosh. And just all the act famous British actors that show up in it, or I should say, um, kind of actors from the British Isles because, um, Siren Hines, is that how you say his yes, name? Yes. Yes. Who was in, uh, the mayor of Casterbridge. Oh one yeah. Adaptation and he was also it. in, um, 
uh, Rome. Oh, the, yes, he yeah, sure yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. That, Which I couldn't get into Rome. Jack oh, loved Rome. Oh, my gosh. I loved that. Um, and talk fantastic. about nudity, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now That's we're exactly talking nudity. Right. Well, hello, New York Times. <laughs> That's the thing. I was like, are you, how can you even compare? <laughs> yeah. Um, so a young Siren Hines oh, and um, several other actors that aren't springing to mind. But, um, oh, um, uh, on. Angelina Jolie's first husband, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Uh, oh, he's so oh, cute. Oh, goodness. He's um, in um, Sherlock. No, he's in, um, not Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, okay. in, he's in the American version. Correct, you know, yeah. Sherlock. Oh, oh gosh, gosh. What is that, Johnny? Yeah, it's going to come yeah. to me, and I'm sure somebody right now is shouting out. it. <laughs> <laughs> we can almost hear you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm thinking of Johnny Weissmuller, which is Tarzan, so that's <laughs> yeah, not the right answer. I'm Dip, and that's wrong. So. <laughs> I'll take Johnny's for 200, please, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um so gosh i just love that so um yeah yeah, yeah. and then i started jack and i started a, a series that they brought over from the uk that was all the rage there it's called bodyguard okay now you know the funny thing about that is i don't know again we refer to the new york times if you read their review where they said that apparently Theresa may who's the prime minister of of, uh, of England said that she lasted 20 minutes. On I know. Yeah. Yeah. Baloney. <laughs> so, baloney. So uh, what do you think? So we only watched the first episode. Actually, I watched it the night I flew back from Boston. Like how, like, my gosh, I came home and then watched it. And, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to get back on Pacific time. Uh, I, it's beautifully done. I mean, it's really high quality production okay. and it's intriguing because there is, um, the main character, you sort of wonder what his motivation is and what his um, ultimate goal is. So, no, I think it's quite well done. And Mm -hmm. uh, Jack and I adore the woman who stars as the home secretary in okay. it, uh, Keely yes. Haw- Hawes. And what was she uh, used to be? She was in MI5. Okay. Talk All about right. another great right. uh, thriller slash procedural. Another, another procedural that I have not been able to get, um, but I and I can't, and I'm completely blanking, but apparently it's another English procedural that's hugely, hugely popular over there, so I'll oh. have to look that up. And then, of course, I know that the guy that stars as the bodyguard is the actor that played Rob Stark on the Game of Thrones. Yes, Jack t- told me that, uh, yeah, so, you know, his, um, I mean, he's supposedly a hottie, like he's really, really cut, um, mm-hmm. like really great body. His face doesn't do it for me. I can appreciate that it's a very attractive, handsome, manly face, but it just doesn't light my fire. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well. I don't know. But I'm looking forward to seeing him with his shirt off. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> speaking more nudity. Right. More yeah. n- this yeah. is the nudity and procedurals <laughs> yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which, actually, which actually it isn't. Uh, this, uh... <laughs> no, not at all. I'm sure our guests are cringing right, right now. Wait right, a minute. Yeah. I didn't sign yeah. up for this. So we are making a sharp right turn here. And right. Um, this episode topic is um, how our parents influence us to becoming the runners we are today. And you and I have been discussing this topic since May when my father passed away. Um, we were going to actually jump on and do the episode like the day or two after my dad died. And but we the- ran out of Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So, um, so you and I really bonded about the influence our respective fathers have had on us to making us the mother runners we are today. And um, so you and I are going to talk about our experiences, and then we're going to be joined by three mother runners who'll talk about theirs. Um, I'm hoping that this will be a thought-provoking episode. We'll be right back after this brief break. 
All right, E. So I'm going to ask you first, talk about how your dad, who is a lovely gentleman, lovely Southern <laughs> gentleman, how he influenced you to be the runner you are today. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I grew up in a very uh, small Southern town in South Carolina. And my first memory of my father exercising is uh, he used to get up very early in the morning. He, mm. he took a carpool to work that usually picked him up a little bit before 7. So he would get up usually, I believe, about 5.15 and do calisthenics oh, in it. the uh, living room. Jack LaLanne, got nothing on him. Uh, uh, Robert Cooper, I think it's Robert, you know, the guy that's oh, uh, Bob, Bob Cooper, Cooper who is considered aerobics. sort of the, Yes, uh-huh. yeah. So he... Um, actually had a very slim paperback book that I think actually Cooper wrote that had all these, you know, sort of... I think it's called aerobics. It may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was speaking in italics when I said that word. Okay, all Mm -hmm. right. And um, then as uh, the years went on, and so probably beginning in about the late 60s, um, Daddy decided that he was going to start jogging. Mm -hmm. Now, to frame this, in the late 60s, A, nobody jog sure that was before the jogging boom oh definitely and in this little town you Mm -hmm. know they didn't um my father I said well what shoes did you wear and he said oh my safety shoes so he had these steel toed safety shoes (laughs) that were you know kind of his only really beat up shoes (laughs) so that's what he would go out in and after he'd been doing this around our neighborhood for a couple of weeks, and again, you know, at 5.30 in the morning, there was one morning where he was running back to the house in, you, see, you know, you can see it now, wife, you know, like a white t-shirt. Oh, boy. Chino pants, old chino <laughs> pants, and these safety boots. When he hears whoop, 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 whoop behind him, and a, there's a policeman. <laughs> the guy pulls him over, begins to question him. You know, who are you? What are you doing out here? And when my father said he was jogging, the guy kept looking at him. And then finally, the guy gave him this very hard look and said, okay, let me just explain. Uh, if you had been running with your shoes in your hand, I was going to ask you what window you had just <laughs> snuck out <laughs> And and he let my father go with a warning. (laughs) So my dad was always one of these who was a little bit ahead of the curve Uh and things like that. Now, he never got into the full-on running. And when I began running, though, he was incredibly... enthusiastic about it very supportive as was my mother Mm -hmm. and I have to kind of do a little shout out for her because she was a huge walker Uh and would do things like I remember one time she dropped this would have been in the 70s she dropped off her car for work uh, work on it the place was about four miles from our house and she decided that she would just walk to pick it up in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and I think no less than seven people (laughs) pulled over and asked her if she needed a ride and I think at least one of those called her crazy when she said you know no she was fine um and when I started marathon training she was just delighted I I mean both of them were but she was so delighted and uh when I finished I ran my first marathon in Portland in 2000 and Oh gosh, when was 2005? Yeah, 2005. Yeah, it was. yeah uh-huh. yep. because it was right after, right after the, the twins. twins were, yeah. And um, 
I always remember that uh, she told me later on that she didn't think she actually was wondering if I was going to be able to finish it. No, she it. did not. No, she just said she kind of confessed that. And, and of course, I qualified, you know, for, for Boston. Boston. Right. In your uh, debut marathon. Yeah, in my yeah. debut. And so I remember talking to her. I called her the day, you know, the more after I finished. And then we usually talked on Wednesdays. Oh. And that Wednesday, she... Uh, we t- were talking about, and she said, yeah, I just came from the bank, and I was bragging about you, and I said, she's not my daughter. I just, you know, she must not be my daughter. And I said, Mama, I said, with all your grit and determination, she had been battling cancer. I said, I am your daughter. Mm-hmm. And that was when she told me that the cancer had returned. Oh, eh. So, but it was such a, it was such, she was so excited, and she was so proud of me um, that she had known for uh, almost a month mm. that the cancer had returned, but she really wanted me to go out and get my best. Mm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 You sure are her daughter. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. But your dad was a huge swimmer. He right? was. He was. So I don't, I don't come from any uh, running background. No, no safety shoes, no uh, <laughs> being used for jogging. Uh, so, Yes, my dad swam every day, as I've, as I've talked about a little bit on this podcast before, but um, he swam every single day. Oh, my gosh. And he was not a proficient swimmer. <laughs> Let's underline not proficient. I try, I struggled with the wording of that when I was writing up the notes. I'm like, huh, I can't just say my dad was a crummy swimmer. That's not very nice. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Proficient but... <laughs> sounds so much nicer. Yeah, so he, he barely, barely kicked his legs, and he did not put his face in the water, and so that he turned his head every single stroke. Oh, wow. And um, yes. Even I know that's <laughs> odd. And I'm not a swimmer at all. <laughs> right. right. So, but uh, every single day. Every sing- yes. And so every day. And so he actually, it's funny, my dad carpooled to work too. Yeah. Our dads were like leaders in the carpooling. Yeah. Um, and so he carpooled every day. Yet somehow he also was able to go swimming on his way home. And then still make it home in time to have cocktails with my mom while she was cooking dinner. <laughs> that also sounds familiar. Yes. So, so, um, so he, and I just, rem- oh, and he also, before that he played tennis, but when he found swimming, he really fell in love with it. And so what that taught me is that p- passion, not talent is important when it comes to choosing your personal oh. sport. You know, dad was. I'm just gonna say it. he was no good at swimming, but dang it, he loved it. Mm-hmm. And he he just and and he would just get jittery if he couldn't do it. And so you know that taught me that I didn't need to be great at what I did, but just love what I did. And my my father definitely in t- terms of work, he always said, um, "Let your avocation be your vocation." Yes. It took me a long time to figure out what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> but finally, with another mother runner, I have let my avocation oh, be my vocation. And how. Yeah. 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 So um so and I have such vivid memories of my father swimming in an ocean or a lake when we would go on family outings, even if it was just for a day. Um, my parents had family friends who had a summer house on some beach um or old orchard beach that's not too far outside of new york city this couple lived in new york city and you know we'd visit them just bill and drew are their names and we would visit them just for the day and dad would go out and swim parallel to the shore but pretty far out from shore but parallel to shore 
And now thinking about it, I realized my dad was probably doing it so he could have some alone time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and I really, really, oh. you know, I feel that. Yeah. You know, when, when yeah. I go on family vacations, yeah, I want to get in some cardio, whatever. But I'm like, yeah, I just need to get out of this hotel room yeah. and be by myself. So, um, yes, yes. So, um, and then also my dad influenced me directly into becoming a rower because he was on the JV crew at Yale. I didn't know that. Yes. There's a photo uh, that I inherited of my dad, uh, carrying the boat and, um, and so, um, he just took it up. And so there was that photo, that photo and one other, and my dad just always talked a lot about being a rower and, the fact that he never made it past JV tells me my dad was not all that proficient of a rower, <laughs> which I would say the same thing of myself. <laughs> um, uh, but I really, really loved it. So then when I got to Colgate, um, well, I'd sort of been a little approached by my safety school to row for that school. And I think I'm convinced they just, the, the coach must've just sent out a, a handwritten note to every female applicant who was 5'10 or taller. So, so that's why I got that. So that plan, so that plus my dad really planted the seed. So when I got to Colgate, I joined the rowing team, which was a club sport and, um, Oh my gosh! And the, the captain of the men's team was Adonis. He was just my huge crush oh, freshman year. Send so, out a uh, yeah. hello to him. Shout maybe. out to Mark Devine. Woo, woo. Hey, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> love the last name too, Devine. For real. <laughs> yes, I had a crush on a man whose last name was Devine. Um, so yeah, so I signed up for the rowing team, and that being a rower is definitely what landed me. You know where I am today. I mean, it got me into running. It just got me to really love being outdoors and being active and all that stuff. So, so yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and we, I think both the other thing uh, about both our fathers was they continued exercising mm-hmm. well into my, my father turned 89 this summer and really until about the last year, year and a half, he's having a little bit of mobility issues, but it was, you know, got down to the gym, you know, did long walks uh, in the small town in Kentucky that he lives in. Um, and, you know, your father did as well. And exactly. that's the other thing that I think they set a prime example mm-hmm. for us that, mm-hmm. hey, you don't have to, you know, this isn't something that once you hit 45, 50, mm-hmm. 50, whatever, you just sort of toss to the wayside. Right. Um, um, right. Exactly. Yeah. My um, dad actually, he kept swimming even after he'd stopped driving. So then my mother would have to drive him um, to the pool, which is about six seven miles from their house and then he didn't like to be kept waiting so she would have about like i don't know 55 minutes to go try to do some errand and there was really i don't know things in connecticut are kind of scattered versus here where everything's kind of on top of itself and so she just always griped about like oh i can't get anything done driving your dad to the pool (laughs) and um so i know she always loved it when when the kids were younger and when my parents were younger i would go visit for you know two three weeks at a time in the summer and so then dad and I would, you know, I'd drive him or when he was still driving, I loved to um, have him, I would start running to this, to the pool and then he would leave later. And by that point he was not a great driver. So I would always be running a little <laughs> bit in fear that he was going to, my own father was going to run me down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then and he would have my workout stuff in the car and then, so then he would arrive, he would start swimming, and then I would grab my bag from the car and start swimming as well. So oh, that, was, wow. that was super fun. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. memories. Yeah. So, and I do remember um, he visited 
my first husband made John, uh, he visited, uh, us in San Francisco. He was, had business down at Stanford. And so he stayed with us for the weekend and I'd asked my dad beforehand. And I said, so dad, are you going to want to swim while you're out here? And I, I'm like, I can scope out the pools for you. He's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. And then at about three or four on the Saturday he was visiting, I could see him getting visibly agitated. Oh my goodness. And just, he was a, such a pleasant man, as you know, you, you know yes, my dad. And, yes. and, um, but I, so I said, Dad, do you want to go swimming? Yes. Yes. Jonesing. Yeah. So I definitely also attribute my, um, my streak of about five and a half years of everyday exercise. I definitely attribute that to my dad. Yeah. 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 So, um, yes. Yeah. So, well, cheers to our, cheers to our parents yes. for, for helping us land we where very we are. Fortunate. Yeah. 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 So the first of our three guests is Carla Burke, a mom of two young kids who is training for her first marathon. Woo-woo! Um, like us, E, Carla's father was and is the athletic leader in her life. Welcome, Carla. Hi, happy to be here. Welcome again. And uh, Carla, remind us where you live and how old your two sweet children are. Oh, I live in southern New Jersey. I live in Washington Township. And my son is four. His name is Jack. And my uh, sweet little daughter, Charlotte, is three. Oh, nice. Nice. That's active and busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy. <laughs> We're in the thick of it. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you're adding to that by training for your debut marathon, uh, Philadelphia. Um, but take us back and tell us how long you've been running and a bit about some of the races you've done leading up to this 26.2. Sure. Well, I started running by doing sports as a kid, always, always into field hockey and lacrosse growing up Mm. um, and very active. Um, I took a break from running after high school, a long break, um, and got back into running when we were trying to get pregnant. Actually, I was struggling with fertility. Uh, My husband and I were having a lot of nose, nose after no. We were trying for about two years. Mm. And then I was literally running away from my problems. Um, Mm -hmm. I started running to just release that, that stress. And on that journey, I started training for a 5k with my best running friend, Colleen. Mm -hmm. So we did a 5k that first year, uh, we trained for a five miler and then I just decided to go all in for a half marathon training. Mm -hmm. And while on that training plan, I met another mom who became my running partner. We were the same pace in our running group. And she introduced me to who would become my fertility specialist. And that's oh, how we wow. got pregnant with our first son. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so running led you to your children in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without meeting this running partner, I don't think I would have gone to the fertility specialist. I was kind of hemming and hawing about it and not believing that I needed to. And uh, she was just encouraging. So we would run and cry and run and cry together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How that goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you got two close together. So you, you succeeded. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Above yeah, yeah. and beyond. Yeah. So, uh, so, and how is your marathon training going? It's good. I got past that 20 miler this past weekend. Mm, what congrats. a relief. Thank you. Thank you. With a nor'easter that we had on the East coast oh, this that's weekend. Right. Oh, right. Oh, that's yeah. Right. So did you do your, so that was Saturday down in Jersey the, that the bad weather was? 
the bad weather was Saturday. I, mm-hmm. I had a group of running friends. We were texting back and forth Saturday morning, about 4.30. We were going to get an early start. Mm. And um, we decided not to have a tree branch fall on our head with the mm-hmm. gusting that, winds. That was a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we went out Sunday morning and that worked out much better. So share some of your early memories of your father and his running and how those experiences uh, say colored your impression of what it meant to be a runner. Sure. Um, I've always known my dad was a runner growing up. Uh, It's something we talked about and something I would see him do all the time. Um, I knew he ran track in high school. Uh, He was a runner um, through college until he had an injury on the track. He got spiked by another runner during Ooh, the race ouch. oh yeah almost severed his achilles oh um, wow so oh, that ended gosh. the racing but not the running oh yeah exactly i know um he was always going out when i was very little and doing some road work he called it uh, speed work interval training just to keep up cardio for boxing and martial arts activities oh. that he would do oh, cool. so he was very into um, keeping fit, uh, uh-huh. working on his health our whole lives. Later, mm-hmm. in, in his 40s and 50s, it was less about the speed work and less about interval training. And he told me it became more meditative to go mm-hmm. out on the long runs. The miles became longer, and he would go out and clear his head. Um, mm-hmm. Always alone. He was the lone wolf, never had a running partner. Mm-hmm. But we would just see him. We say, okay, let's, I'm going out for my run now. And a little bit like the Rocky uniform, it was a gray pair of sweatpants, a gray sweatshirt with a hood when it was cold. And he would tie the strings tight under his chin, lace up his <laughs> shoes and just go out wearing that. No watch. You know, now I, ha- I have a watch, a hydration yeah. vest. I'm so ladled down. And he was really the minimal, the minimal mm-hmm. runner. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so did he tell you at the time, like, oh, this is why I've shifted from doing my road work. It's more, or is this something that, as the years have gone by, now he tells you about it? As the years have gone by, he's told me. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. told me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as he got older, it just that's what he it evolved into for him, mm-hmm. just naturally, mm-hmm. um, coming in age and and where he was in life, just needed to clear the head a little bit more, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that happens to a lot of us. That's yeah. 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 Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started running, Carla, did your dad give you any advice? Um, his motto to me is always uh, keep it light and try and keep it fast. Yeah, <laughs> light oh, and fast. Light and fast. Mm-hmm. So he still th- he he is uh, in his early phases when he thinks about where you are in your life. Does he just think kind of like that thirty somethings? That's how they run or something. I think he knows that I'm trying to be a little bit faster. I, I think he's interested in what I'm doing with racing and trying to get more races under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's his life. I think he's probably thinking back to his track days, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so does he come out and watch your races like that five miler or anything like that? He came out when I did the Philadelphia half marathon. Okay. And he was really proud to be there. He loved, loved the runner's atmosphere, the community. And uh mm-hmm. He's going to be coming out for the marathon in a couple weeks. I know. He is involved in such a lovely way in your marathon. Uh, Tell us about that and and how it fires you up during your training. Oh, it warms my heart. He is going to be a volunteer medal distributor Mm -hmm. at the finish line. And I could could cry just thinking about it. I'm so excited. 
um, he signed up to do that. Yeah. And so talk to us about uh, how, you know, when you envision him on your runs and how maybe that sparks into your head. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be hard for me. I'm a natural back of the packer. Um, So I know after 20 miles is when I'm going to have to really dig deep. Uh, I just think I can't quit. He's going to be at that finish line waiting for me. I better, I better get there somehow. (laughs) So are the chances good that he'll be the one draping your medal around your neck? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I'm probably going to dodge and weave everybody else. Like, yeah. sorry, right. I'm looking for yeah. Bill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it also calls to mind then that, that all those volunteers who are out there, whether they're distributing medals or whether they're handing out water cups, whatever, that they all have their own backstory to do with running or do with exercise or something like something is motivating them to be out there. And I sort of wish it, you know, maybe technology in 20, 30 years, you'll just be able, it'll be like a little hologram next to them and show like (laughs) their past and why they're out there and things like that. I know it's so beautiful. Everybody has a different story. A lot of people in my running group are volunteering, whether it's Mm. at a water station or the heat sheet distribution at the end, or even Mm -hmm. at the metal um, metal distribution at the finish line. I, everybody has their own story. They just want to give back and mm-hmm. support the group and support the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And well, getting back to your kids, uh, as you mentioned, they're pretty young, three and four. Mm-hmm. And uh, you vividly remember your dad going out on runs. So are you cognizant that you're making a, a similar impression on your kids? I know I am. Um, they see me in my running clothes and they ask, are you going for a run? And I'll say yes. Or I come back and they go, mommy, you're stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My daughter, Charlotte, likes to give a hug when I come back and she goes, are you sweaty? And I go, yes. (laughs) Yes, I am. And she doesn't care. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Is it, do you think she'd give a hug if you, is she, does she want you to be sweaty or not want you to be sweaty? I think she's looking to see that I had a good workout and that I am sweaty. And then oh, she good. comes oh. in for the hug anyway. Yay. Oh, good. Good. She's yeah. keeping you honest. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. She sure does. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so was your mom at all involved in athletics? It, um, I'm intrigued that so far it's you, Manny. It's been our dads that have been uh, Yeah, not in us. the slightest. No, mm, not yeah. one bit. I don't think she owns sneakers. That's kind mm. of my mom's claim to fame. She, she, she uh... <laughs> She's a tiny wisp of a woman, and uh, I don't remember ever having her go to an exercise group or uh-huh. anything. No. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Oh, She's very goodness. proper. Uh-huh. I, a, a good mix of Emily Post and uh, Martha Stewart. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> As befits a Northeasterner <laughs> mom She's and grandmother. The best, though. She's the best. I hope she'll be at the marathon. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, good. She's on the fence right now with who really? knows what the weather will will be. Oh. I think um, they're they're getting up there in age. I think uh, cold weather for a long period of time does a number. Sure. On their especially arthritis she's tiny. and joints. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 She'll be freezing. And it's a, you know it's kind of <laughs> it's um, in mid November, mid almost late November, so the weather could be um, not ideal spectator weather. Yeah. It could be, it could be, but um, fingers crossed, fingers yeah. crossed. Oh, I know oh, my yeah. dad will be there, so she'll exactly. maybe we'll wear her down. Maybe we'll get her a pair of uh, hot hands and yes, there we go. Yes. Now, you're, now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> layer up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for sharing with us, Carla. And we will be thinking about you on the day of the Philly Marathon. Good luck and enjoy. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, Ellison had an appointment that she had to duck out to. So um, it's just going to be me talking to these next two gals. So I'm joined now by Carolyn Rock, a mom of two daughters from Illinois who is influenced by her mom. Carolyn said her, quote, goal in life was to make it to 42 without having a heart attack, uh, end quote, like her mother did. So thanks for joining us to chat, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with the ages of your daughters and uh, where in Illinois you live. I live um, in a northern suburb of Chicago, far north, um, in Libertyville, Illinois. And um, my daughters are 20 and 25, soon to be 21 and 26. Mm, All right. All (laughs) right. Everybody's born in December and January, so (laughs) we get (laughs) slam-basted. Oh, yeah, but it it brightens up, you know, the dark winter months, so... It yeah, some, some candles light the light the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us a bit about your evolution as a runner. Oh, um, I started running um, probably fifteen or sixteen years ago. I had gained a lot of weight, and I went mm. to Weight Watchers, and I lost my weight, and I never exercised, and I was never going to exercise because you know I lost the weight without it. And then our Weight Watcher leader challenged us. Um, to do something for 10 minutes. And I thought, I can, I can do that. I could do anything for 10 minutes. And, um, and then 10 minutes, I had a treadmill, 10 minutes walking turned into 20, turned into 30, turned into jogging. Uh And, um, I ran my first 5k that July and my first marathon that December. Wait, how long? So are we talking just months into this? You ran a marathon the same year you started running. Yeah, basically. Well, it was probably almost a year later. Oh, it was almost a year almost later. A, so I well, started, then, like, say, yeah. beginning <clears throat> beginning of '02, uh-huh. I started walking, and then by December '02, I ran my first marathon. Wow, that is yeah. a steep learning curve. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and why did you have a treadmill in in your house if you were not was your your right. spouse? My former spouse. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes, he had a treadmill. Okay. okay. And I was like, well, I can, I can get on there, you know, and, and I did. <laughs> yes, you sure did. You sure did. did. It's kind of funny too because I was, I did everything on the treadmill, everything, and um, I was really, I was afraid to go outside. I mean, there was oh. controlled air. There were hills. There were stuff and <laughs> no belt. And a girlfriend took me outside one time, and I haven't gotten back inside very often since so, oh that's kind of that's, funny yeah yeah that's awesome yeah the, it's a great big world out there and it's fun to it run in yes there's things to look at <laughs> right. right oh my goodness it's funny though how people some people just love you know being outdoors and can't imagine being indoors and then there's the reverse that like my husband says he gets too distracted when he runs outside he says wow. he's, exactly what you're saying that there's so much to look at but to him it's too much to look at Kind of nice though. Um, I th- yeah. So inside, he, I have to have I have to have music inside. It makes or something. Crazy. Yes. Oh, or television. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So it's just it's you know it's all different perspectives almost it literally. Is. So yeah. So tell us about your mother's health and how it influenced you to follow oh. a different path. And, and because it really struck me that you wrote, um, my mother always said she was my best worst example. She did. And that was kind of, she's, she was a very, very funny woman and mm. she lived large. I mean, she was hilarious and funny. And as a kid, 
um, she played basketball and she had this very physical job mm. so she could go, 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 go. But she smoked and mm. probably drank a little too much. And then um, she was, um, she was obese. She was definitely obese. And, you know, you kind of get away with it when you're younger and then things mm -hmm. start to happen. And, um, and yeah, so she would always joke, don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't do what I'm doing. And you could watch her, like I could watch her not like she couldn't, she'd bend down and get down on the ground and couldn't get back up very easily. Wow. And then, you know, bought a, bought the recliner, which I call the chair of death. I will never, <laughs> God, I will never, please I don't ever want to own a recliner, <laughs> the death chair. Um, but yes, yeah, so you watch her kind of degrade a little bit, just a little bit, but still live and crazy and big and funny. And, um, and then she had a heart attack. She had a, um, an, an MI and it's weird with women, you know, it took them 24, 30 hours to figure out it was. A heart oh gosh. Attack. Yeah. And, um, and they just fixed her up and sent her home. She had this great doctor that she loved and he would fix her up and send her home. I think mm. she had three different procedures and. I don't know if anybody ever told her, you know, maybe eat a little different, maybe stop smoking. Mm -hmm. um, and so she didn't. They just kept fixing her up and sent her home. And in 2016, it all caught up with her. Yeah. And she had to have open heart surgery. And it, you know, it was, uh, she passed away in September of 2016. So it didn't go. Yeah, it is. It's very sad, but it is a big example because she was alive. But at the at the end, all of this stuff, you know, not making changes, not um, not not adjusting anything, just letting them give her the pills and then the pills to fix the pills. You know, mm -hmm. it caught up mm -hmm. with her and her heart couldn't take it anymore. And yeah. it changed uh, it changed the quality of her life, which is mm -hmm. really, you know, that's really what matters. Exactly. Yeah, that that um, you said um she made me want to live younger, not longer, and make it yeah. mean something. So yeah. kind of kind of unpack that for us and how you manifest oh. that credo in real life. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Of course, I'm I I love the marathon and so I I think that in my head is my my meter. Because when I turned I got to be thirty eight years old and I think I was a little bit in denial too, kids mm. and a problematic marriage and 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, you know, and that's when I went to Weight Watchers and lost the weight, but I wasn't sitting in the same boat that she, I mean, I was heading right down that same path. You know, mm. the cholesterol was high, the blood pressure wasn't, but everything was kind of going downhill. And so that's when I said, I, I want to live better than this. I don't want to, I don't want to be her, my best, worst example. I want to be <laughs> like that. And she did, she looked at me one day and said, uh, just go get the medicine. You know, it's in your genes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's a joke. She and I had that joke that I joined Weight Watchers and started running to prove her wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like I was a rebellious three years old, three year old, and I was 40. You know? so, so yeah, so I, you know, at that point you want to do better. You just want to do better. And I liked running. And I, the thing I think I didn't realize was that I would feel better. You know, I just, mm -hmm feel so much better if you move a little bit and eat a little bit better. It's not about being perfect. It's just doing a little bit better. And yeah. it's made a world difference. I ended up going back to school at oh, almost wow. 50. I'm a physical therapist assistant. Wow. And so, yeah, it just kind of changed everything around a little bit. But yeah. 
not just yeah. the negative, you know, she was so full of life. It just, I wanted her body to be able to do what her brain was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. how long was it from when she had her first heart attack at 48 until she passed in 2016? So she, um, so she was 70 when she passed away. So, oh, so she had, she had she quite had a while to, to she lead did. a, yeah, she yeah. worked hard. She worked crazy, but the end of her life, the last probably 10 years, she just wasn't, she couldn't get around very well. Uh-huh. And then they tie you to oxygen tank. I'm going, this is going down a sad path. <laughs> I mean, this is true. They, you know, so you're tied to an oxygen tank and you can't, she couldn't do what she loved to do anymore, right. which was mostly go to casinos, but still she couldn't <laughs> do it. That was her pleasure. Yeah, it we was can't... her pleasure. She said, it's like my running, Carolyn. Shush. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. And, it's and, bad. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. To each her own. To each her Pretty own. Funny, right? Yeah, it's yeah. cardio. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shake those dice hard <laughs> enough, you know, get get an upper body workout. Pull that lever, you know? <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Oh my gosh, we should put do a whole workout video of how a you work, can get <laughs> how to work out in a casino. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um so and how about your own daughters? Um oh, how do yeah. you go about being their best, best example? Oh, you know, I try really hard uh, just to to live, you know, and to have a try to have a good attitude, and um, and they see me. It's got it got to be kind of funny. They were younger when I started running, obviously, and they would after about probably a couple of years, it would be, "Mom, have you run today? Maybe mm. you should go for a run." Like if I wasn't <laughs> quite um, in the right mood or was grumpy, um, yeah, and yeah. and I've taught them both that. Well, I think they know that when they're off kilter, that a little sunshine, a little air, a little, a little movement mm-hmm. and will help them, especially probably um, my oldest is more of a walker. Mm-hmm. My youngest does run. She's done a half marathon um, before nice. on, on no training. That kid got to be <laughs> 20 or seven. Oh, I think she was 17. Oh, man. oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Just, <laughs> just did it. Um but she knows now too, she's in college and she's in junior year and she's very stressed and mm. um, she knows if she'll just get out and move, it helps a little bit. Yeah. It yeah. helps a lot actually for her. So do you and she ever run together? We do, but they're, um, we moved to the Illinois area just two years ago. Uh, uh-huh. so they are all, all my kids are still in Tennessee, but my children are still in Tennessee. They're in the Nashville area. So, okay. so nice. she, um, she does this year we were actually signed up to run the St. Jude half in Memphis, but her exam schedule has interfered with that. <laughs> oh no. Priorities, I priorities. <laughs> I know it is. I guess it's important. And she hasn't trained anyway, which is what else is new, but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's going to be a fun event, but we've, we've got plans. She's going to, I, um, she's going to come to Boston with me next year. So. Oh, nice. She's you mean as in, as in you are running Boston next year? I am running Boston next year. Yes. Look and at you. Look at you page. hiding that accomplishment under, <laughs> under I, a I, bushel I, until the end of the interview. Come yes. on. <laughs> so exciting. Um, she turns 21 in December and she's going to come and we're hopeful to get her signed up for the 5k there. Cause the 5k takes you down from the sit go station. Uh-huh. Um, to the finish line and across the finish line as part of the course. So we're so excited that she'll get to experience that a little bit and all of the craziness, you know, that Boston is. And yeah. Yeah. Have you run it before? I have, I have, I've run it a few times. Um, nice. I ran it this past year, which oh, God, please let us have better weather than that this year. <laughs> I mean, don't you think? Don't you think the weather gods? I mean, they gave so I mean, they threw so it. much that's, at you last year. That's you the know. worst I've never seen, and I've been there on some bad years. So I, 
I, but I've never seen anything like that before. Were ever. you there 2012, the hot year? I wasn't there the hot year, no. Uh-huh. I, um, but I was there for another a nor'easter that happened oh. and they i think it was 07 and they considered canceling the race and mm. but by the time the normal people start the humans <laughs> um the weather had chilled out a little bit <laughs> yeah well that was back when it started even later in the day yes, than it does it did. now i think 07 was actually the first year they started it at uh 10 mm-hmm. um 05 i ran it in 05 and that was a 12 a noon start so, so- you jumped right you so you let's unpack this a little bit you started you started running the same then the same year you did your first marathon and that was you said 2002 2002 yes and then by 2005 you were at boston i was i think i kind of am just built for it you know for running i'm just i'm pretty biomechanically mostly correct i've got a weak butt like everybody else but you know <laughs> i sense that about you carolyn but yeah, i wasn't going to say anything yeah. the- <laughs> i could i could yeah <laughs> um, my weak side butt i mean it's just the common theme but um but yeah so i'm, I'm just kind of lucky i've been pretty relatively injury free when my dad passed away, I had it the year of the hamstring, the cranky hamstring. And then when my mom passed away, I had the year of the cranky calf. And you wonder, like, hmm, did they pick the part that I was going to hurt? You know? <laughs> did they choose this muscle group for a year of pain? I think it. I think there is something to that, though, a little bit, you know. To to you're saying that where your parent, where the loved one kind of lives in your body, are yeah, you saying? Yeah, well, or? or that you're like there's grief and your brain is having so much trouble, it gives you something physical to hurt, oh. so that you can you because you can cope with that. You know, you mm-hmm. can. I mean, you're mad and you're cranky and you're, you know, but you can do something with that. Whether where the grief in your head and your heart is a little harder to deal with, I think. Oh, so. well, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, just. <laughs> That's intriguing. My, a little my pl- bit silly, but <laughs> I <laughs> no, do. I, <laughs> I like it. My plantar fasciitis kicked in about mm, probably almost six weeks before my dad passed away. Oh, so, see, but it lingered longer than I would have thought. So maybe you're onto something there, maybe. Carolyn. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I do. I love the marathon. I've never gone further than that, except in a couple of coaching adventures. But um, okay. But I love the marathon. I've run this. I'm running one this weekend. This will be my 57th marathon. Oh woman i know everybody's got their own crazy right that's my personal (laughs) brand of crazy (laughs) i like it it's kind of fun (laughs) oh oh my gosh um and so uh what marathon you're on this weekend then uh west virginia west virginia i was about to say you're going to that west virginia thing aren't you i'm going to marshall (laughs) yeah with uh... we are marshall yes (laughs) gonna watch the movie they supposedly will give you a football to carry the last hundred yards on the field Oh, stop it. Oh, yes. I asked my husband, I'm like, they're not going to throw it to me, right? Because I, <laughs> I can't catch if they hand it to me. So he and I have been practicing oh, catching. <laughs> at the end of a long run, like instead yeah, of like learning how to run faster at the end, you're like, here, hand off, hand off. No, hand do it again. Do off. it again. Maybe I'll pass, but I feel like I should. You know, we are Marshall. It matters. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. So our mutual friend Katie Ormson was telling me about that, about that trip. And, um, yeah, she got back from the retreat, I think, Wednesday, because then she went up to um, visit Maine and I want to say maybe New Hampshire or something. And so... Then she was going out to West Virginia from Illinois. Yeah. And are you driving as well from Illinois? We are, 
my husband has a really tight work schedule. He's running the half, so we are actually flying out Friday night and flying back Sunday night. So mm, kind mm. of like surgical a little bit. Well, I think that's a, a little bit smarter move since you're going to run the marathon. I, I don't think you want to be in the car for eight or so hours. That would really hours. kind of, yes, yeah, stink a little bit. <laughs> it sure would, both literally and figuratively. Physically. <laughs> I did get a late checkout, though, so I may, if I run fast enough, I'll get a shower before I leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We'll have fun with that. And it was good Thank talking you. with you, Carolyn. It's so nice to talk to you, too. Yes, yeah. thanks for um, thanks for inviting me. It's, I really feel really feel privileged. <laughs> oh, you're very sweet. You're very yeah. sweet. You have a fun story. So thank you very much. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Our final guest is Sarah Axelrod. And very close readers of our blog post might recall her mother was a big running influence in her life, that Sarah's mom blazed a trail in the Boston running scene. But then... Her life was cut short by breast cancer. Sarah is the mom of an adorably cute young daughter. And you're also a professor who lives in Somerville, which is just outside of Boston. And welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I'm actually no longer on the faculty track, which is a big oh, yay. Oh, all right. Actually, I wrote a running through it um, blog post about it for AMR a while oh, back. Huh. My, Dimity did not include my last name, though. Okay. I think that's what she generally does with those. But right. um, yeah, it's, so I actually, I work for the Language Center now at the university. Oh, okay. All right. I, I stand corrected. Very good. Very good. All right. So, all right. So you... And I were just hanging out together in Cape Cod. Didn't get to t- no. didn't get to talk to you nearly as much as I would have liked. But um, sometimes before the retreats, I think I told you this. I I tr- I tell myself that I can't play favorites. So like I can't just go talk to the people <laughs> I know. And so you can't just talk to your old buddy, old pal from the Twin Cities. Marathon yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's pick up where we it's left okay. off around mile four. I, Come on. <laughs> I understand. It was wonderful to see you. And I had a wonderful time at the retreat. And so now is a wonderful opportunity to say personally, thank you so much. Oh, you are sweet, Sarah. So thank you. We loved having you there. So, so, but okay. So, but when I, before we went on to recording, you, you said that um, there was a little mishap at home while you were gone. So. <laughs> Well, I have to give my husband a lot of credit because apparently it had been kind of a tough weekend. There were a lot of um, potty related issues, which are never fun. My daughter just turned three. Um, And so my my BRF, Lisa, and I were driving home. We're on 93. And he calls me and says, hey, uh, so listen, we're not going to be there when you get there because we're at Children's Hospital. Um, It's totally fine. Raz is fine. She um, broke her toe, but it's fine. So she actually lacerated her toe. She was jumping up and down on a stool and the stool collapsed. And I, it's kind of amazing that she only got one toe and that the toe is still there. Uh She had to get seven stitches. Oh, Alex just looked up like, Oh, with this kind of blanching look (laughs) on his face. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so I felt, I of course had terrible mom guilt for not being there in the ER, but honestly, my husband was probably the better person to be, there physically because he's a lot better at keeping it together than I am in situations like that and apparently our daughter just was a total rock star Uh, she 
She was, of course, she cried a lot when it first happened, mm -hmm. but when she was getting the stitches, she got to watch her first ever feature film, Moana. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> in many ways, we were both saying that's almost a bigger milestone than uh, breaking a little toe, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. But then now the question is, will she always have kind of that, oh, why does my toe hurt when I watch Moana? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if she's experiencing that, she doesn't care because we've watched it another couple of times since she came home. <laughs> from the hospital all she wants to do oh my, now. Goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh um so all right so well um thanks to that blog post and and also um you know just knowing you i i know that you started running in college to lose weight so tell us about your start and your progression from there um, because i know you're also a fairly prolific racer yeah, I've actually run a lot of races. It's it's kind of amazing. I've been a runner for 13 years mm -hmm. and I still kind of can't believe that it's still there, that it, you know, I didn't somehow lose it or manage to stop doing it out of inertia or anything like that. It's now more the inertia of doing it. Like it's harder for me not to run mm -hmm. on any given day mm -hmm. than to run. Mm -hmm. Um and and that makes me really happy and um I, in college, I was, I started college as an overweight person who really tried to do the whole team sport thing, both in high school and then even my first year in college. I, I was a rower. Mm. I picked up rowing again, even though I had sort of started it and then left it as a high schooler. Um, and it was just really hard. Like it was really hard being the heaviest person always. Mm. I was in high school. I was always the person that got left behind at the boathouse mm. to erg. Um, and now I run by that boathouse on the Charles very frequently, mm. and I feel pretty triumphant about the fact that I am not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. It was it was really hard on my ego. It was really hard on my self-esteem. And so so it really took many, many years of running consistently for me to actually believe that I'm a person who does this. Mm. And it's not because anybody's making me. It's because I want to do it. Mm. Um so, so yeah, the, the college years were really where I kind of had the time and, and I went to college in Vermont. So I had beautiful scenery to run in. There were lots of great races in northern Vermont that I, I by my senior year, I was like running races anytime I could borrow a car from somebody. <laughs> nice. So. nice. So, and so you're saying, so the um, boathouse on the Charles, you're saying that was from your high school years that were you that was from my community years, rowing yes. or what, what was it? That um, I actually rode for the Windsor school oh. and Windsor shares a boathouse with the Belmont Hills school, oh, which is sure. right across the road from BBNN. Yeah. Kind of gotcha. Yeah. By the Elliott bridge. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's dive in. Tell us about your mother and her love of running. Well, it's funny. Uh, my mother definitely was a runner and she was a runner, I think, the way I am now in the sense that she took a day off every week because my dad made her. <laughs> but she, other, she just loved to run and wanted to run every day all the time. And what's funny is that I actually don't remember any of that mm -hmm. um, because she was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was six. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she ever ran again after that. I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure of that. But everything I know about her running comes from these photos that we have, um, that Tufts 10K photo that inspired the first blog post mm -hmm. for AMR in 2016. That That photo really is like the the core of everything I know about her as a runner that kind of has always been in my mind and I've sort of spun this whole 
narrative about her as a runner from that photo. Mm. And I've just, you know, always wanted to know about it. So I've, you know, asked my dad to talk to me about it and asked her friends that I'm still friends with to talk to me about it. And they all say, oh yeah, you know, that was, that was your mom. She loved to run. And my grandfather, who actually also is no longer living, has a story that I really always loved. And he told it to me many times. Mm. Um, when my mom and my dad were first dating mm -hmm. early on in their relationship, they would occasionally go to my grandparents' house and they would stay over. And then the next morning, they'd both be like in the living room doing their exercises and their stretches. <laughs> and then they'd go out and run. Uh -huh. And so then, you know, many months, I don't know how long they were together before they got engaged. But at, at some point, they got engaged. They came for Thanksgiving. They announced their engagement to the whole family. Uh -huh. And then the next morning, my mom got up to like do her exercises. Da, da, da. She's, you know, doing her stretches. And then she goes off to run. And my grandfather said to my dad, oh, so you're not going with her? And my dad said, oh, pff, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> she said yes to my proposal. I'm done. <laughs> right. I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. I've actually never asked my dad whether he remembers that the same way, but my grandfather definitely told me that story like four or five times because he was – after my mom passed away, when I was in college, I would go visit my grandparents and I would go out running in the morning and they lived in Arizona. So I'd go running very early. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was really pleased mm. that I had become a runner. And so he enjoyed telling me the story mm. whenever he saw me going out for a run. I said, you know, did you ever tell you the story? And I, I never said, yes, you have. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So, so, um, so you then, never really got to comprehend her passion for the sport. Um, Not in our life together. Mm -hmm. um, I was 13 when she died. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I mean, I, I quit town soccer when I was six. I really, <laughs> I was, I was not into sports as a kid at all. Um, they, you know, I, I had, a, I think I had a lot of feelings of inadequacy. I didn't like things that hurt mm. in that way. Um, I did dance class. I did horseback riding. I played piano. But my, my brother, my younger brother, who's uh, three years younger than me, played on all kinds of sports teams, multiple sports teams at a time. I, I had no interest. I it was, it was a family rule in high school that I had to join a sports team. Mm -hmm. But um, it, so it wasn't anything that when she was alive, I knew that I had in common with her. It wasn't until I became an adult later on that like this, you know, this picture that I had of her mm -hmm. and this knowledge that I had of this part of her life started to sort of call to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and now, you know, I live in Boston. I go running on the Charles River all the time. I, I'm literally living in the same city that she lived in when she was my age, mm -hmm. running on the same roads that she ran on when she was my age. It's, it's kind of eerie. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And she didn't have me until she was 36. So she was still, uh, when she was my age, I'm 32, she was uh, living with her best friend and she hadn't started business school yet. At, um, or maybe actually, no, she was in business school. Um, so she was literally like right in the same area mm. and, you know, balancing school and running and all of her other responsibilities work. Um, so it's just, it's, I, I really love thinking about that. It brings me a lot of joy. And of course, I wish that, you know, we had gotten to sort of enjoy this common interest mm -hmm. when she was alive, but but I feel like what I have now is also a really wonderful gift. It is. It is. So it seems to me that uh, maybe your mother also influenced you because you want to lead a healthy as possible lifestyle or am I off base on that one? Yeah, I, 
you know, it's, it was so, things were really complicated in our house around lifestyle, I think, because, you know, my, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when my brother and I were both very young and there were many phases of her uh, journey, I guess, mm -hmm. with cancer. She actually, um, she lived seven more years after her diagnosis. She, she died in 2000. I believe her diagnosis was in 1993. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that actually, at least at the time that she passed away, that, that counted as surviving. She really, um, she fought it for a long time. And I think now, if she were diagnosed now, that she would have a much, much better chance of actually going into permanent remission. But, you know, it was, it, it, in, in terms of cancer research, it was a different time in 1993. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so in the, she had her first diagnosis. And then in the year following her remission, our family actually moved to Europe. We mm. moved to Switzerland mm. for a year. And that was this kind of like, you know, we're all going to die. We're not going to live forever. Let's, let's do all the things that we want to do. Let's not just talk about doing them. Yeah. So that was obviously a, a really big move and it was very challenging, but I, the memories I have from that year are extremely vivid and colorful and, um, and, and so, and that was a year where like everything really changed. We went from all of this like sort of fearfulness about what's going to happen to, oh, we're living in a foreign country. Let's try all the mm. amazing food. Let's eat cheese all the time. And, <laughs> you know, let's travel. Let's, let's go over the border to France just to eat at this one place. <laughs> um, and then when her cancer came back, um, we, we, we moved back to the States. She had a positive biopsy. And her, the fact that the, the way it came back, it was, it was in her bones. Mm -hmm. um, so it had metastasized, but also because of the location of the, of the cancerous cells, she actually felt generally pretty good. Mm -hmm. So she was given permission to sort of like, if you want to try alternatives to chemotherapy, like, sure, mm -hmm. go ahead. So mm. all of a sudden she went on this macrobiotic diet, mm. I, <laughs> which was very, very restrictive. And actually my, my younger brother, who was uh, six or seven at the time, he wrote a book for his class. Oh, my goodness. Uh, called When Cancer Came Back. I just rediscovered this recently. Oh, my goodness. Um, I hope he's not too embarrassed about me talking about it. But, but the last chapter of the book is called Diet big diet oh. that that's how he remembers it um so so we went from this like oh enjoy everything life is short to like ooh, things are you know we're gonna yeah. we're, we're gonna restrict a lot and my brother and i didn't have to restrict sure. anything that we ate but my mom ate something different from us every night and so it, you know i think in some ways it was kind of confusing mm. um but it was there was also there was always a sense of you know let's let's try and find that balance between like being healthy, mm -hmm. being happy and indulgent. Um, and I think that my parents were very conscious of that and really wanted to, um, you know, be, be as deliberate as possible at the, about the way they presented these various choices to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the, the time after she passed away was, was very difficult for me and, lot of therapy. I, I think that, you know, the fact that I gained a lot of weight in high school had a lot to do with the mm. things that were going on in my house and sure. in my emotions. Um, so the fact that when I was in college, I finally sort of found it within myself to say, hey, you know, let's, let's give this running thing a try. Like, let's actually, it, it really did feel like 
um, it was a chance to connect with a part of my mom that that did always want to be healthy mm -hmm. and that spent years, years try, trying to be as healthy as possible while also living as well as possible. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I know you recently ran a 10 K race that holds a that very special place in your heart and connects you with your mother. So tell us about that race. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, that, that race. So this is, it used to be the Tufts 10 K and this was the race that I, that I wrote about in 2016 for AMR, um, with the photo, the mm -hmm. famous photo of my mom that always loomed so large in my mind is a photo after she ran that race when I was a toddler. Um, so in 2016, I ran the Tufts 10 K for the first time since my daughter was born and we recreated the photo. <laughs> Uh, she was 13 months old and she skipped her nap just so she could be there in the finish line and we could take the photo. This time, uh, I, I did not run it last year because I had just run the Twin Cities Marathon. Uh -huh. I, I decided to run it this year. It's now the Reebok 10K. Mm -hmm. um, and... So I, I sort of went into it. I was, I was really uncertain as to whether I even wanted to do it. Oh. The weather was really up in the air. I don't know. I had all kinds of weird feelings about it for some reason. And I couldn't really decide what I wanted out of it. And I wasn't sure it was a good idea to race it. And I certainly didn't think that I was going to have like an amazing day or anything. Um, and I, I had actually, I had just had a miscarriage, a very early miscarriage oh, sure. um, about a week before, or maybe two weeks before. Thank you. And so, so that was, I, I wasn't sure what my body was going to feel like. I thought, is this a terrible idea to go run this race and, you know, not really know how my body is going to respond and possibly feel bad about the outcome? That's, mm. I wouldn't want to do that. So I kind of just decided to like wake up that day and see how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I, I decided, okay, whatever, I'm just going to do it. It's chilly outside. That seems good. Let's go. So I took the train downtown. I almost missed the start <laughs> because I was so laid back about it. I got there with minutes to spare. But that's the nice thing about running a race that you've run a whole bunch of times. Sure. You know, yeah. You, you know where everything you is. Just sort of, you know where everything is. <laughs> I actually, I, I decided to really roll the dice and wait for a real bathroom and a coffee shop Ooh. rather than go to the <laughs> um, And I, I had an amazing day. Oh. I really, I, I just, cause I, I didn't care. I wasn't attached to any sort of outcome in the form of a finish time. I really wanted to just run as hard as I could and enjoy everything that I've always enjoyed about that race. And every time I run that race, I think this is my sixth time running it. Um, I cry when I cross mm. the start line, it like comes out of nowhere. I'm all of a sudden just all tears. <laughs> and, um, and then I kind of sink into it and get in the mood. And I, and I knew how I wanted to feel at every mile. I oh. actually had no data on my watch because I didn't want to think about my pace or my heart rate or anything. I just thought, okay, I want mile one to feel so laid back that it makes me a little nervous. Ugh. And then I want mile two to feel like I'm, I'm hitting a little bit of a groove and mile three. Okay. This is starting to hurt. And every mile after that should really hurt. <laughs> I should feel like I'm working really hard, uh -huh. but not so hard that I'm going to give out before the end of mile sure. six. And because I've run it so many times, I know physically where every point on the course. Sure. Is and how to parcel out that energy. Up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I had this incredible day. And part of it is because I, I went by the mile four marker, there was a clock. Uh -huh. and I looked at the clock and I said, did I just run a four mile PR? Was that the fast? Was that faster than the four mile race I just raced last year at Thanksgiving? Wow. Um, it turned out the course had been shortened. Oh, <laughs> oh, gee. So that was wrong. <laughs> 
All right, we had a little technical glitch there. So now Sarah is calling in on a landline. So the sound quality be a little different. And Sarah, let me cue you back up to where you were. You were saying that the the race was a little uh, not the right distance, that they hadn't calculated it right, so that seeing what you thought was a four-mile PR ended up not being so, but it still fired you up. So take us to the finish line from there. Yeah, it, I mean... I shouldn't have run a four mile PR as the first four miles of any race longer than four miles. That just was, that would have been incorrect (laughs) on my part, (laughs) but you know, like what if I, what if I was just feeling that good and I was running that fast. So I, that feeling really carried me to the finish line, the whole way across the Mastab bridge down Commonwealth Ave. Um, I just was like, yeah, I am having an amazing day. Ooh, look, there goes a five mile PR. Awesome. (laughs) As far as I knew, maybe it was right, you know? Um, so, so I, I ran a really stunning 10 K PR, which I'll never know. Like, did I, would I actually have PR'd that course? I have no idea, but I, but I did not think in any universe that I would run even close to my fastest ever. Um, so it was truly, it was, it was the kind of magical day that I don't know why I doubted that that race would bring me a magical unexpected day because it kind of always does. Um, and I was, I was really glad that, that I made the decision to do it, even though I had been so on the fence. Um, and, and of course, you know, I think of my mom the entire time that I'm running that race and I really wish that, you know, I could talk to her about it because I know that she ran it many times in her life. I'd love Mm -hmm. to know about her experiences and what her favorite part on the course was and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's, so it's, it's always a really lovely opportunity to kind of commune with her a little bit in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And, and it was so good to talk with you. And um, I hope that uh, you have um, continued PRs or, or seeming PRs in, in, the, in any upcoming races you have. And, and um, thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's lovely to talk to you. And, um, and it was a real honor to be part of this podcast. Oh, thanks. thanks. Okay, now that the calendar has turned another month closer to the holiday season, it is time to head to the Mother Runner store and purchase our holiday gift pack. First time we're doing one, it includes a limited edition long sleeve tech tee, a traditional plan from the Train Like a Mother Club, a copy of Tales from Another Mother Runner, and a mystery gift. And depending on the training plan you choose, this $85 gift pack is valued between $115 and $145. So basically, even Alex is nodding his head thinking, huh, that sounds like a good deal because basically you're paying the same as you would for a training plan and getting the tea, the book, and the cute mystery gift as freebies. So, and here's why you should buy soon because of the first 100 gift packs, in two of them, there will be a golden ticket. So Alex is just flabbergasted. His jaw just hit the ground. And that golden ticket to the recipient, to the two lucky ladies who received that package, the golden ticket gets them a free race entry to the U.S. or Canadian race of their choice. There are a couple restrictions, but that's up to $150 value. So that's amazing. So yes, so run, don't walk to motherrunnerstore.com and pick up a holiday gift pack. Give it to your friend, give it to yourself, your mother, your sister, your BRF, whatever it is. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Thank you.